Well, as I probably prepared my sermon or thought about my message, it was on Monday or Tuesday, about do I have to suffer? And, you know, I wanted to talk about, well, what is suffering? And, you know, in the Bible, when it talks about suffering, it's talking about a certain thing. And and it's not talking about sickness or heartaches, even though those are actually suffering. And so yesterday I get a kidney stone and I thought I was suffering. And so, so you know, this message that I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, sickness isn't suffering. Well, that's easy to say if you're not sick. But, you know, um, sickness is suffering. But what we're going to talk about is not talking about that kind of suffering. You know, it's not talking about that kind of suffering. We're talking about suffering for Christ and how it compares to what Jesus went through. I want to start with Isaiah Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53 this whole chapter is called the chapter is called the suffering servant in Isaiah 53:3 it says Jesus is despised and rejected by men he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief It was foretold in the Old Testament that Jesus was going to suffer. He was going to suffer. He was going to he was going to experience sorrow. He was going to be acquainted with grief. And it tells us that, you know, when he goes to the cross, he's going to experience these things. It's going to be it's going to be real to him. He's a man of sorrows. and He's acquainted with grief. And then we see in in his ministry, as he goes through his ministry, Jesus experiences this quite often and i want to share a few of those with you in matthew the sixth chapter the third verse they said is this not the carpenter the son of mary and brother of james Joseph, judas and simon are they not his sisters here with him so they were offended at him the people that knew jesus and jesus growing up they rejected him they rejected him as being who he said he was Jesus, he experienced rejection. He experienced people not accepting him for who he was. And we can say, well, yeah, but you know know how hard that is when you're rejected by people? When people don't like you for some reason? Or people don't accept you for some reason? Or don't want to be around you for some reason? Or want nothing to do with you for some reason? Those rejections, you know, that, that can hurt. That can be pain. You know, it's a, it's a real thing. It's not just, uh, you know, something that's just fleeting. And, you know, Jesus experienced that. In Matthew, the 8th chapter, I hope you just got that. I tw- twist them around there. Matthew, the 8th chapter, the 31st, 34th verse. Jesus has just uh, cast demons out of a, out of a person. And in the 34th verse, after Jesus had done this and commanded these demons to leave this person, it says, Behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to get out of there, depart from their region. Jesus just cast demons out of a guy who's been causing all kind of trouble in the the city. And the man is set free, and the people react by begging him to leave. Could you just leave? That's another form of rejection. 
Have you ever done good for somebody? Have you ever done good, tried to help somebody? And they went, I don't want nothing to do with you. I don't want nothing to do with you. They reject even sometimes your, your desire to do good. Those things, those things are, are deep hurts. I mean, that's real. That's real. Those things can be hurts. Nobody likes rejection. And nobody says, boy, I hope people just you know, don't want nothing to do with me. You know, we don't like being misunderstood. Our tendency is if that happens, we want to defend ourselves. We want to defend ourselves. We want to let everybody know. Everybody know the reality because I don't, I don't want to feel that rejection. And then we know when Jesus, as he got closer and as he went through his, his uh, road to the cross, in Matthew, the 26th chapter, the 65th verse, it says when he went before the, the leaders, he says the high priest tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard him blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hand. Wow. Now it's getting, you know, you know it's, it's one thing, you know, they always say sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But now we're getting, you know, the words, but now we're getting to the sticks and stones. And, you know, sticks and stones hurt too. And we, you know, it's easy to say those kinds of things, but you know what the reality is? This was real. Spat in his face and beat him. Struck him with the palms of their hands. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He went through these things. He knew what it was to suffer. Humiliation. You know, humiliation when you, when you can't fight back. And he chose not to. He chose not to. He chose to be quiet. I always think, you know, it's bad enough to go through all that, but then to choose to be quiet. You know, he, he didn't say anything. He didn't fight back. He didn't fight back what was going on. And then in Matthew, the 27th chapter, the 27th verse, it says, Then the soldiers of the government, governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. You know, again, they came back. They spit on him. They mocked him. He says he's the king of the Jews. And so they just said, okay, if you think you're the king, they put this robe on him, gave him a reed in his hand, made a crown out of thorns, jammed it on his head, and said, here, now you're the king. Humiliation. I mean, what humiliation? You know, and, you know, we couldn't, you can't identify with that. You know, some things you have trouble identifying with. You know, it's hard to identify with that. It's a, you know, and I, you know, probably since I'm going through this kidney stone thing, you know, it's kind of fresh in my mind, you know. Anybody here that's had a kidney stone, they go, oh, yeah, I know what you're going through. If you've never had a kidney stone, it's really tough to identify with it. You know, I, you know no, no big deal, but it's tough to identify. Well, I've never had one. 
Well, they say it's worse than childbirth. Never had a baby. You know? Now, women had a baby, say it's worse than having, well, I take their word for it. My daughter yesterday says, well, how bad's your pain? I said, I don't know. She says, well, one to ten, how is it? You know, she's trying to be a doctor. You know, one to ten, how is it? I said, I don't know. I've never had this kind of pain. I don't know if it's a ten, if it's an eight. I don't know. It hurts. That's all I know. It hurts. You know, but sometimes it's hard to identify. And I think that's the way it is with what Jesus went through. We can sit here and we can say, oh, yeah, man, that'd be rough. I can't identify with what he went through. You know, it's hard to say, oh, yeah, I, you know, sometimes we say, oh, yeah, I know how it feels. Don't you, sometimes, don't you hate that? You know, when somebody goes, oh, yeah, I know how it feels. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You don't know how, I mean, you don't know what I, you know, I don't know if you know, you know. I appreciate, no, I'm not, you know, those of you who said I know what it's like, I appreciate that because, you know, we go through common things. But, you know, sometimes we don't know. Or, you know, there's things that we experience in life if, if we have problems with depression. If I've never been depressed before, I can't say to you, yeah, I know how you feel. You know, or the things that we struggle with. You know, I can't always say, but you know what I can say? Jesus knows how you feel. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He understands. He's been through it. He identifies with it. You know, there's nothing we go through that he didn't experience. You know, so we can look to him. We can look to him as an example. You know, that, you know, he understands. You know, he went through, he identified with us. He came to this earth, he became a man. He suffered, he experienced everything on the cross. He went through everything. He identifies. He knows what we're going through. You know? And, you know, people necessarily do or don't, but Jesus always does. And sometimes, you know, I think we get to a point sometimes where we just have to trust him. You know? I mean, you know, we encourage one another. We're there for one another. But you know what? Ultimately, we trust him. And I'm not taken away from encouraging one another and praying for one another. I mean, boy. You know, you appreciate that, and it's important. I don't want to minimize that in any way, how important it is. But ultimately, we identify with him and what he went through. And we understand that it was for us. And understand that we don't deserve it. You know, it's not like, well, okay, why do I have to go through this? You know, well, what do you think you deserve? You want what you deserve? And when we think, well, why this isn't fair or whatever, it's like, wait a minute. I don't want what I deserve. I don't want that. I don't want it. You know, Jesus paid the price and not me. So I don't want what I deserve in any way, shape, or form. I don't, I don't have any right to stand before him and say, well, you better do this, you better do that. I can only receive what he's done for me what he's done for me and so we just have to accept and realize that he paid the price so then what's he what's he say to us in the midst of all that he went through he now says something that's very troubling he didn't say this at this time but you know when jesus says follow me you know we say oh yeah follow me well yeah i'll I'll do that i'll follow him follow me you want to follow him 
And we all say, yeah, of course. Well, do you know what it says is going to happen? You know, there's, there's a cost to following him. It's not a free ride. It's not just fun and games, but there's a cost. There's a cost. I think a lot of times I don't like it. I don't like cost. You know, I don't. I don't like pain and suffering. You know, and I don't think anybody would say, oh, yeah, I love to suffer. Oh, it just makes me feel so good. You know, I like it when people reject me. And I just, you know, it's just, no, don't. It's not, it's not something we want to we wanna experience. In First Peter, the fourth chapter, the 12th verse, Peter says, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. So don't think it's strange when we have fiery trials. Don't think it's strange. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may be also glad with exceeding joy. And if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blaspheming. On your part, he is glorifying. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God to this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins, begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now if the righteousness, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, what will the ungodly and sinner appear? Where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. It says we're going to suffer. Don't think it's strange that some fiery trial can come upon you. You know, now, personally, I don't think that's a message that most people in America want to hear. That's just my observation. Most people, when they come to church, and sorry for this, but most people, when they come to church, want to hear, God's going to take care of all my problems. He's going to take it all away, and life will be peaceful, and nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. That's what we really want to hear. That's what my flesh wants to hear. My flesh wants to hear that. I want to hear that if I come to Jesus, that, you know, somehow, and, I, and don't get me wrong. I believe in God's blessings, and I believe, but you know, it says we're going to suffer. Now, it says we're going to suffer for knowing him. That we're going to be times of rejection. That we're going we're to be reproached for the name of Christ. And so, we have to see that, you know, he did it as an example to us so that we could follow in his footsteps. We could follow in his footsteps. We're going to be reproached. We're going to be disapproved of. We're going to be criticized. We're going to be blamed for the name of Christ. You're going to be in trouble for identifying yourself and your actions for being a Christian. It's one thing to identify yourself. It's another thing to act like a Christian. It's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing to be a Christian. And, and you know, being a Christian means that I'm going to obey him. I'm going to do the things he wants me to. And if you do that, you're going to suffer. There's times you're, going to, you're not going to always be liked. That's just the way it is. The world is not going to like you if you act and do the things that God wants you to do. 
They don't, they don't care if I say I'm a Christian. They don't, that doesn't offend them until I say, well, this is what I believe, or I'm not doing this, or I'm, this is how I'm going to do it, or this is what I'm going to do. Or I'm going to always speak the truth. You know, then it starts to be different. You know, most of what we experience is probably in the way of persecution at this time. I'm not saying we could never experience physical persecution. You know, I think, I think we kind of isolate ourselves from it, or we don't have to isolate ourselves. Most of the time, we're not physically persecuted. Now, understand this. If I share this message around the world, there are people who identify this with dying, Losing family members, separated from their family for the sake of the gospel. You know, it, pre- it would preach a whole lot different in those places than it does here. Because we can't identify with that. For us, suffering is probably along the lines of rejection. People not liking us, understanding us, accepting us. Not wanting to be around us. You know. And so that's what we usually are faced with there was a i've heard it said that if you were on trial for being a christian would they have enough evidence to convict you think you know if i was on trial for being a christian would there be enough evidence to say yes you're a christian well i think it comes along the lines of this you know it's one thing to say i'm a christian but it's another thing to take stands so people know i'm a christian they know this is what I believe. This is who I am. This is how I act. This is how I follow. This is how I obey what I believe God has said. You know, sometimes if we're persecuted, we can do several different things. Sometimes we can back away from our beliefs for fear of what people are going to do to us, or what they're going to think. You know, there's so many times when, well, and it's it said, well, I don't I want to be careful and not to offend somebody. And I appreciate that, and I think there's times when you need to be careful. But I think there's times when we share the gospel because it's the truth. And we don't worry about being accepted. If we always worried about being accepted, when would we ever share? Because most people don't want to go, oh yeah, tell me more. Sometimes they do. But, you know, it isn't always something that's acceptable. And so sometimes because of our fear of being accepted, we can back away and not take a stand. I've been, and you know, and I don't think we should be legalistic about a lot of things, which sometimes I think Christians are too legalistic. Um, I was talking to Mary. I said, you know, it's really hard not to say Easter. And I'm not saying that's not a big deal. I'm not, I'm not on a big campaign to to. Play down Easter, but it's not a godly thing. Easter is a, a pagan thing. So I try to remind myself to say Resurrection Sunday. But sometimes Easter slips out. And I don't feel condemned for it. But by the same token, what happened on Easter? Jesus rose from the dead. In our country, what happens on Easter? People go out, and I'm not saying all, but you know, for the world, they go out and collect eggs, they dress up, and they show up to church once a year. How is that glorifying God? And so, you know, for me, I try to say Resurrection Sunday. I don't always do it, 
But I'm not trying to back away from the fact that I'm ashamed because that's what Easter is. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's when Jesus rose from the dead. That's what we celebrate. And the world tries to take it other directions because they don't believe in the resurrection. And so for Christians, you know, and not to get legalistic about it, but, you know, we need to remind ourselves, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating his resurrection. We're celebrating his resurrection. In verse 16, it says, um, if we suffer as a Christian, we should not be ashamed. We should not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be arrogant. Don't get defensive. You know, when you have a conviction and it's, it's real and it's in you, you don't have to get preachy. You don't have to get arrogant. You don't have to get defensive. You just share what you believe. I personally think that's the greatest witness is to just share what you believe and what you believe the Word of God says. And sometimes as Christians, we don't always know how to do that very well. But I believe it comes with confidence saying, you know, this is what I believe. And you just share it because it's real to you. So I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to get defensive. I don't have to argue. It's not like you're going to argue about it. There's nothing to argue about. You know, somebody else may want to argue. But really, there's no argument. You know, this is what I believe. This is why I believe it. Because God's word is true. You know, and so I believe that. Isaiah 53, 7. Says. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. You know, there's times when you just don't have to say anything. So there's times you just don't say anything. It's, there's times when it's better to just keep your mouth shut. And I think sometimes we pray and, okay, Lord, you know, help me to know the difference. Help me to know the difference. When should I just keep quiet? When should I just keep, I don't have to defend myself. When should I just keep quiet about this? When do I share the truth? When do I share what God has done for me? And I think then we just need to know the difference. And so if I know I'm supposed to suffer, and I don't think we, you know, basically if, if you're a Christian, I don't think we're suffering every day. I don't think, you know, it's not a daily thing. Maybe it should be. I don't know how much. But, you know, as a Christian, there, there should be times when we're going to suffer. It says, you know, if we follow him, don't think it's strange that some trial comes upon you, that there's something that happens. So it sounds like it's going to happen to us. But then what do I do? What do I do? How do I act? You know, it tells us in James 1, James 1, 2, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So I have to suffer. And then I'm supposed to count it all joy. I can't complain. Oh, man. Do you know what people did me today? You know, maybe there's somebody you can share with. But, you know, you got to not just go, oh, it's not fair. 
people don't understand. I don't know why I have to go through this. Well, it says we're to count it all joy. Wow. It's bad enough I got to suffer. It's bad enough. Now I got to count suffering as joy. It changes your whole perspective. It changes how you look at things in life. How you see things. It changes. I mean, it changes everything because I do not want to count it all joy. That is hard. That is hard. In 1 Peter 4.16, it says, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. I got to count it all joy, and now I got to glorify God. I got to thank Him. I got to thank Him. I thought, I thought when I suffered, I was supposed to go to Him and ask Him to get rid of my suffering. Lord, could you just remove this? Isn't that how we pray? Lord, could you just take this away? I wonder how many times I've asked Him to take stuff away, and He goes, No, no. Count it all joy. Learn from it. Grow. Understand that part of it is just being obedient and it's going to happen. Just glorify me in what you're going through. Oh my goodness. Isn't that a whole change of thinking? A whole change of thinking. You know that I now have to count it all joy. Now, Again, this is for the sake of the gospel. I am not counting it all joy that I have a kidney stone. You know, I'm not, I don't, you know, I find no joy in it. I find no joy whatsoever. I want it to pass and go away. Okay, that's different. That's different. When we suffer and when we are persecuted, we suffer for the gospel, we count it all joy. And we glorify God. You know, that's, that's, we see it different. We see it different. And I think as Christians, we, that's a real test. Probably the best example was the Apostle Paul. In Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning at the 35th verse, the Apostle Paul says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who will separate us? And then instead of the who, when he says who will separate us, we think, well, who is it? Somebody, so-and-so. But here, here's what he says. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He says, what will separate me from the love of Christ? Well, does hard times, being persecuted, famine, nakedness, sword, he says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long, and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things. Now, this next part of the verse, we, we get this verse backwards sometimes, okay? We only quote the last part of this. Okay, it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Okay, I want to be a more than conqueror just all the time. You know, I just want to... I want to be more than a conqueror. Well, it says we are more than conquerors. When? In all these things, which happens to list, 
tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. Okay. In those things, we're more than conquerors. Okay. We're more than conquerors. And he says, For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul says, all these things that I'm experiencing, you know, he's experienced a lot of these things. You know, he was left for dead, beaten. You know, he, he went through all this stuff, shipwrecked. And he says, when it's all said and done, he says, in all these things, all, all that stuff, we're more than conquerors. And why? We're more than conquerors because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate. You can, you can do what you want to me. You can kill me. But nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. What a conviction. What a conviction. That's where we, that's where we need to be. You know, that, you know, when I experience stuff, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. You know, and when nothing can separate you, you kind of go, well, it'll be okay. It'll be okay because nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Ultimately, what we worry about is what? The biggie is death. You know, but you know what? Death doesn't separate us from the love of Christ. Death reveals the love of Christ. Because that reminds us that we have life in him. And life eternal. We're victorious. We're, we have victory over death because of what Jesus did. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not even death. Not even death. The Bible says the last enemy is death. Well, in this life, the last enemy you're going to face is death. The last enemy is death. And sometimes I personally think you can deal with that before you die. I don't think you have to wait till death to deal with that. I think the last enemy is death when you understand we have victory through Christ. That he's the one that gives us life. And death is something we go through. A few people have been spared that. Once in a while somebody gets to sleep and wake up in heaven. But you know that's not always the case. Not always the case. But it doesn't matter because the last enemy is death and it's defeated. Death has no victory in us. We are more than conquerors because of what Jesus did. We walk alive. So what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Will we suffer? Yes. If I'm not suffering, should I be concerned? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I really should. You know? I really ought to consider why don't people get offended with what I say? Am I too liked by everybody because I conform to what the world's doing around me? You know, I think we need to take our stands as Christians. We need to live godly. And I think sometimes we'll be persecuted for that. And that's part of following him. That's part of following him. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you that because of what you 
did and when you came and died on the cross and took that suffering for us. That, Lord, you paid the price so that we might have victory. We can live victoriously. And, Lord, that, that means that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Lord, help us to keep our minds on you. And, Lord, I pray that you just help us to know you. Lord, it's not just, it's not just about knowing who you are, but knowing you in a personal way knowing you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, help us to receive you so, Lord, we can walk. We can walk in victory. We can walk in victory because of what you've done for us. Lord, just speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to just say yes. Yes to what you've done and receive that and to to make that promise to follow you, knowing that following you might mean suffering, might mean rejection, but let it doesn't matter because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Lord, I just pray you just uh, be with us now as we fellowship. I pray, Lord, if anyone has a need for prayer, that you just uh, encourage them to come up and let uh, Tom and Pam and Rose and Jim pray for them. Lord, help us to just uh, receive all that you'd have for us. Bless our food now. Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.